0: Alfred Hitchcock, more than once you've said the secret of making a quality suspense motion picture is to put an average man in bizarre situations, to threaten the audience with the thought that this could happen to you. And this seems an oversimplification, but is it basically what you're still trying to do? Uh, Actually, the um, central figure
1: who is, shall we say, um, being attacked or on the run, If he's a familiar figure, average man, and also a familiar star, the um, story values are increased accordingly. In other words, if you walk along the street and you see a street accident and a man's lying there, you say, poor fellow, knocked down by an automobile. Take a second look and it's your brother. Look at the difference in the emotions. Mm. And that's why not only the identification but the quality of identification also matters and is a contributory thing
2: i wonder if it's ethical to watch a man with binoculars and a long focus lens Do do you suppose it's ethical even if you prove that he didn't commit a crime
1: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 I'd like to point out
0: you forgot that last week. I did, yeah. I, nobody I, knew we were here. <laughs> I
2: had no idea.
1: Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Speak All Evil Pod. We always like to hear from listeners. Speaking of which, next week we are uh, doing a listener recommendation episode. We're going to be checking out the movie Cherry Falls from the year 2000. That's on Shudder or on Prime with AMC. No VOD on that one. And we're going to be checking out a movie called Allison's Birthday from 1981, an Australian movie, I think, our our first Australian movie. That is also on Shudder, or you can rent it on Prime for 99 cents and some other VOD options. This week, it's Dave's Thriller Week starting with the 1954 Alfred Hitchcock classic, Rear Window. Uh, I would say uh, psychological
3: thrillers. Um, Jimmy Stewart plays Jeff Jeffries, and his girl Friday, Lisa Fremont, played by Grace Kelly. Uh, And he's a photographer uh, who you you get the idea that he does a lot of, like, on-the-ground immersive I'm gonna go get the best photos no matter what Uh, he kind of scoffs at his girls recommendations to do fashion photography he's all about going to these third-world countries and being in the midst of of war and and race cars and he uh, hurts himself uh, by filming at a a race car event is what I get but Jimmy Stewart um, is stuck in an apartment He has a leg in a a cast and he's in a wheelchair. And so he's in this, like, you know, tenement, like, penthouse kind of thing where it it overlooks other people's uh, houses. And it's the summertime and it's beautiful out. And everyone has no curtains or any kind of hiding whatsoever. It's just out there and everyone can see their neighbors. And it's a very voyeuristic Hitchcock movie. Um, and it, it it's based around like this crazy like paranoia, because they do things where they the uh, the guy's in a wheelchair. He he sleeps in the wheelchair and he's always looking out the window. He's got binoculars. He's got um, his camera with like a zoom lens, and he's like checking out everything. And he thinks he sees a murder. Um, so what happens is, as the viewer, a lot of times he'll fall asleep. And we will still have that voyeuristic viewpoint and we will see some things that will like distract us from what's actually happening. It like diverts your suspicion, uh, so that you start believing that nothing's really happening and this is all just going on in his head because maybe he has cabin fever. He's stir crazy. He's been in this house for a while, uh, recovering from this injury, um, so basically it it it's a guy looking out his window and he is uh he he thinks he sees something, he thinks he sees a crime and he's trying to put all the pieces together with his friend uh detective doyle and uh and his uh like masseuse. <laughs> so uh, she's like
1: she's like a, a paid caregiver.
0: Yeah,
2: she's, she's caretaker. A, she's a sure. nurse that works for the insurance company.
3: Whatever she does, I want that. <laughs> um, but um, this is a classic, and I mostly picked this one because it ties in so well to the other movie. I love this movie. Trent, what did you think?
1: I loved Rear Window. I had never seen this one. I've, I've seen, like, a handful of Hitchcock movies. We talked about Psycho. I've seen The Birds, Rope, Vertigo. But this is one I had never seen. And so I had, like, a really cool experience watching this because I thought w- the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, wow, this is so great. But, you know, the, the only bummer about seeing something like this for the first time, something that's so ingrained in in film culture and that's so ingrained in in pop culture, I was like, the only bummer is that, like, I I know what this is and I know what it's going to be and I know how it's going to end. You know, I wish I didn't already know everything about this. I didn't know Jack about this Mm -hmm. movie. Right. Somehow, Rear Window surprised me, and we can... I don't want to spoil it right away. Let's do a spoiler at the end of the show... Um, I was like, "Wow, this movie is so good!" Just to be surprised by something like Rear Window from 1954, I thought was really cool. This is the second oldest movie we've ever talked about. Uh, Only Nosferatu, 1922. Wow. wow, really is older. Yeah, this is as far back as we've gone that I that I could think of. Um, this is written by uh, John Michael Hayes, who wrote a bunch of the, um, the Hitchcock movies. is the, the credited as the the writer of the screenplay anyway. Um, This movie is, I think, even more relevant now, both of the movies we're going to talk about this week, I think are even more relevant today in the age of social media. Like what, what Jeff, his name is Jeffries, but they call him Jeff. Jeff Jeff Jeffries. Oh, is it it Jeff? Oh, it's it's JB Jeffries. Yeah, JD.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's, yeah, his last name's Jeffries. (laughs) That that was confusing. Let's just go with Jeff.
1: (laughs) What Jeff is doing is now just what everyone does on their phone all day. Right. And that's even his um, you know, his, his uh his caregiver says people people ought to uh, uh, instead of looking outside all day, people ought to go outside and look inside. Woo. I mean that's like the social media era
0: Yeah, Stella Stella's right? the voice of reason this Stella, entire time. Until yeah. she isn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought um, For being as old as it is, I mean, I think this is why it's like it's so influential. I think it's more relevant than ever. I loved this. Watched it a couple times. Had a great time. Um, Jimmy Stewart. You know, I mostly know Jimmy Stewart, honestly, from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yeah. And the other way I know him most is um, the Dana Carvey impression. Do you guys remember? Like, (laughs) Dana Carvey used to always do Jimmy Stewart. And it's so good that it's kind of hard to, you know, I'm watching him. Separate it. Yeah, I'm almost seeing Dana Carvey. I've never seen Grace Kelly, I don't think. In a movie before wow. the legendary yeah. Grace
0: Kelly? Oh, she's in a bunch of Hitchcock films. Like, um, the most okay, most well that, that was Miss Torso.
1: Miss Torso. What, that was what a name. I was surprised uh, how really horny this movie a, is. I know for 1954, and I was looking. I didn't really read about much controversy, but there must have been some controversy about how horny this movie is uh, <laughs> with with the character Miss Torso. Mm. Raymond Burr plays uh, the the guy that Jeff becomes obsessed with thinking has uh, has done a crime Thorwald quite the name yeah what is it Thorwald right um, I love this had a great time
2: uh, I had also never seen it before I don't think I've really delved uh, very much into the the Hitchcock repertoire so I didn't I, I guess I was expecting something because I'm so used to certain you know tropes that come with the Hitchcock uh situation that i was kind of expecting certain things to happen but then like try- like they didn't happen and then it was like taking all these turns so i was like okay i'm i'm on board i was super into it um i thought that i i did love jimmy stewart in it but it was very hard for me not to like just hear like the over-exaggerated jimmy it's, stewart it's a while i'm watching now. it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's older in this one obviously than he was in uh, those it's a those blue eyes life. huh yeah Wasn't blue. it in black and white
1: it was, and it's been okay. colorized. <laughs> oh, <that's why.
2: laughs> I was eyes. looking that
1: up. I was wondering that because oh, all their really? eyes were like crazy. Yeah. Like Doyle. It was colorized
3: later. Doyle's yeah. eyes are crazy.
2: Um, but yeah, I um, he was definitely a creep, but I liked it. Like, I'm such a people watcher anyway. Like, I'll just like sit up at a window like that's facing a street and just people watch all day. So like, obviously, he was kind of creepy watching every single neighbor. But what else are you going to do? It's is primal, this, like this, pets do that shit. Yeah, he's like a little dog out there with a broken leg. Did he have a TV? We don't know. He might have, I can't remember. I don't but, think he did. See, exactly. The P- New York City is his television. Right. Um. So it was just really good. I think my favorite part of, of this movie was the sound design, because I loved that, basically that one neighbor kind of you know did the soundtrack to what was going on that that pianist who's just like practicing and practicing so it was cool to have like these very tense you know situations of like people going into apartments and trying to uncover evidence and la 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 and then like having like this like little jazzy number going on in the background and I liked all the side like the side stories of the neighbors like there's kind of like not like a full story arc for everyone but you know like Miss Torso like at the end she's like Got a army boyfriend that like reunites with her, and then like the lonely suicidal lady, like Miss Lonely Heart, Miss Lonely Heart, like shack's up with like the pianist. So I just thought it it was just a really good, it was a good watch. I was happy to uh to have that on the on the docket for this week. Is this the
0: first time that one of us has picked something that none of the rest of the cast has seen? One a few times, I would say. I've I'd never seen this.
2: Ooh, I've seen it one time
0: before, and and hearing now that it was colorized after the fact like i'm a little disappointed because when i rented this on prime i was (laughs) like colors
1: are amazing this looks unbelievable for 1954.
0: (laughs) i don't know a lot about 1954 cinema obviously trent you pointed out this is the oldest movie we've talked about second oldest our second oldest yeah uh nosferatu i'm not sure how many movies in 1954 would have been almost two hours long and also just about a guy staring out his window (laughs) This is like a one, like Dave just said, it's a one set. Like you literally only see Jimmy Stewart in his apartment and some scenes. And then all of it is POV, like out to the neighbors. And to Kat's point, the reason that this like did not feel like two hours long is it was so much fun, like literally being a voyeur. Like Mm -hmm. this isn't Dave's thriller week. This is Dave's voyeur week. (laughs) And you're just watching all these people and like watching their stories unfold Uh, the pianist that you talk about Kat like and how they call it diegetic that's something I learned this week all of the audio was diegetic it was (laughs) legit like there weren't like Foley's Hitchcock literally had Franz Waxman who had done a ton of his scores he did the opening credits and the end credits and then all the rest of that is like when you hear songs coming in it's literally being played from somebody else's apartment And uh, so that's why I think it felt so natural because like those were real that's why it that's why it felt like so I don't know good like I felt like I was in his apartment with him or part of that community the entire time or even
1: like when you hear a horn you know it's just all like it's, it's all sounds that you would hear if you were there if it was real yeah that's what you would hear
0: yeah that's what really got me through this and like you said Trent what's this movie like 68 years old or something I was like okay whatever I'm gonna watch a Hitchcock film it's gonna be clever it's gonna be well shot it'll be well directed well acted but I was not prepared to be as surprised as I was like when things really start. I mean, I flipped on what I thought mm-hmm. the outcome was going to be multiple times in this mm. movie. And, you know, I will I will dock it a little bit for the um, for the a particular scene. I guess I'll save it for the spoiler section. That uh, fall with. with <laughs> <laughs> um, that
1: fall. Well, that's like, that's like the helicopter scene, too there are a couple scenes oh, right. that are like... <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 clearly, yeah. yes, yes. Some yeah.
0: special effects from 1954. <laughs> yes. Um, but everything, like, you know, the whole set, uh, all of it was just like really, really well done. And, you know, I don't know that I know a whole lot of Jimmy Stewart movies. I know he's a legend and obviously it's a wonderful life, but... You know, he, Grace Kelly, you know, even Thorwald for his, like, little speaking parts as he have. Like, every character in this is just a presence. Detective Doyle that you talked about is such a dick. Like, such an unlikable (laughs) character. But, like, I think that's how he was supposed to be played. I I thought Doyle was, like, the the conscience
1: of the movie. He,
3: yeah,
2: he was Doyle like the was the one that was like, no,
1: I can't just go into someone's house. Yes, there was a constitution. Yeah. It's called the yeah. Fourth Amendment. There are really? search warrants. Like, yeah. I can't just go over there because Jeff was like, well, if you if you find a murderer, nobody will care about a bunch of details and formalities, you know? And, yeah. and Doyle has to be like, no, they it's- will care. <laughs> like, we have a system
0: here. They'll have my
3: badge. You get the feeling the whole time that uh, Jimmy Stewart is completely off base with his take.
2: Mm-hmm
1: like
3: they they let you in on a few different things as a viewer the that, that jimmy stewart does not see that distracts you and like leads you down another direction and like i think the the twist is great and the fact that all of us were surprised by it seeing it so many years later is amazing
0: well the the pianist too we should point out it's a big part of the movie. It's also where we get our classic Hitchcock cameo. Yes, yeah. He's just yes, like winding yes. the clock.
1: In the He's pianist sick. department across the, the way. The, the yeah.
0: pianist is played by Ross Bagdasarian, who we would know better as David Seville, who created Alvin and the Chipmunks. And wrote the song Witch Doctor.
1: Wow. I missed that fun fact. That's- <laughs> I was kind of surprised like how much uh, social commentary is going on in this movie, like with the characterizations. I wasn't prepared for for Stewart's character, Jeff, to be this like anti-marriage crusader. Huge subplot. His his whole thing. I love this guy. His whole thing is like, (laughs) uh, yeah, you want me to get married and be miserable like everyone else. And, you know, like he's very much like this kind of lone guy and he doesn't believe in in, uh, in getting married and of course he has a girlfriend who's played by Grace Kelly um, who you know wants to settle down and get serious with him and he just like comes up with reasons all day that he can't and most of those reasons revolve around his lifestyle as a photographer but it's kind of ironic that when you see him he's saying all these things about what a globetrotter he is and how he goes to all these tough and rough and tumble places and she could never do that with him he's saying all this from a wheelchair in, in an apartment where all he does is look out the window all day and, like, gossip about other people's lives. I thought that was kind of funny. But then
0: but then they do the thing where he they show his point of view of the neighbors that he's watching, and it's, like, feeding into, it's, like, justifying the things that he's saying. Yes, because like he, he sees the them new, arguing. The newlywed and, couple. Yeah,
1: the newlywed oh, couple. Oh, yeah. Like, like, they
0: pull the shades down. He's all like, "Oh yeah, it's, like, time to get busy. But then, like... You know, he pulls the shade up, and you hear the wife in the background like,
1: "Harry." That is, that, <laughs> yeah, and, that was kind of weird. That that was like the only part I thought that was a little like I don't know, like the oversexed wife trope. Like this poor guy can't get a break. His wife wants no. to have so much sex all the time. He's always leaning out the window. The like, remake
3: of this movie <laughs> is with Robert Pattinson just jerking off to the people next door. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there is a TV remake with Christopher Reeve which you had on
3: oh is that ago. what
2: was going that's on a, yeah I was like where did Christopher Reeves come from that's I feel like that's in poor
1: taste I don't really know about that um I loved the Trad speech by Stella in this the caregiver she gives this whole long speech about how uh, people overthink relationships these days people have uh they they too much in their minds they get like their uh intelligence has ruined the idea of two people who like each other simply getting together. And I thought she was like talking about the idea of, of commitment, romantic commitment in that way that is very much out of step with, with the modern way of life where everybody is just uh, swiping through apps and swiping left and swiping right. And everybody's always finding reasons to get out of this and get into that. Her, her whole perspective was just that you can't overthink it so much. That's not really what it's about. It's about, the, the rewards of the commitments that you make. Um, I thought that was interesting.
0: Who was the writer, Trent? You mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's a guy with uh, three names. John Michael Hayes. <laughs> John Michael Hayes. Uh, this was adapted by a sh- uh, from a 1942 short story. It Had to Be Murder. It Had to Be Murder by <laughs> Cornell Wool- Woolrich. Say that three times fast. Um, And I thought that that was another interesting thing because all of these extra characters had to be added by Hitchcock and by Hayes. Um, There was no love interest. There was no Grace Kelly character in the short story. So all of this, you know, had to be fleshed out and directed by, you know, written by Hayes, directed by Hitchcock, obviously, you know, acted. Um, I think, again, I don't know if like it had to be Jimmy Stewart. Like maybe it did. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I mean, I think my favorite thing is like, you know, obviously the characters' names. It's not Miss Torso, like that's just what Jimmy Stewart. He has, has named, named her. them all. Miss yeah. Lonely Hearts. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. He never gives the so the couple, the Thorwalds that that he's going to become convinced. There's one particular couple that he's looking at, and he can see that the wife is sick in bed. The husband is a salesman. He keeps coming home, and he never gives them a nickname. So everybody else, like the pian the songwriter, Miss Torso, Miss Lonely Hearts, all these people get like their nicknames, but he never gives a nickname to the couple that he ends up becoming completely obsessed with.
1: Did you guys notice um the dinner that Lisa made was like lobster with melted cheese on it or something? Did you it, notice that? What was that?
0: Uh if you, you know. if, I didn't write it down, but if you read some of like the um some of the trivia on this movie there was a restaurant that she references that was like one of Hitchcock's favorites or something. That's, okay, that she brings that the meal from dish was that. Right. on the menu. Yeah, that was very so.
1: COVID. I thought she ordered she ordered a whole meal from the restaurant to be brought to the apartments.
0: <laughs> we yeah, should mention like Stewart go. is like you said Trent like this rough and tumble like action oriented photographer going to war and going to race tracks and all of this stuff. She is like high society. She is loaded.
2: Yeah, she's like a fashion
0: yeah, person. Yeah, like at one point, she's like, "Oh, you never wear the same no. dress twice." You know, at one point, yeah. she goes into a one thousand. She walks in in a one thousand dollar dress that today would cost eleven thousand dollars. Mm.
2: I will say there was I don't know. Jimmy Stewart was kind of a dick to his girlfriend like the whole totally. time. Totally. Yep. Terrible. obviously like she's like do you like the dinner And he's like yeah it's perfect like he's upset that he just got a beautiful he's mad that it's so perfect fucking, yeah because uh, like, he and stella man, just
0: talked about how she's too perfect
2: it's just like you're lucky jimmy stewart fucking plaster caster over here to be in the presence of grace kelly who's like somehow still like yeah i'll go to other places with you like i'll go rough and tumble it for a little while But I will say, um, I think it's also important to recognize, just like from a film standpoint, the cinematography in this movie was. Uh, probably my second favorite next to the sound design. I don't know if, like, they built, like, a specific set or oh, what yeah. was going on. Oh, yeah. On. Like, this all, whole a huge thing. indoor oh, set. Oh, my God. I yeah. was just kind of picturing, like, what kind of situation was going on for the set because there's all these, like, pan outs and then it's going through windows and it's, like, zooming in and then it's, like, turning around. It was just – I I thought that part was, was – uh, was, The was, high
3: production 50s is – Nothing to fuck with. Yeah, some really cool stuff, like a lot of the musicals and mm-hmm. stuff from that time. That's
2: what it Oliver felt like, Twist yeah.
3: and all that shit. Like looked really, really great.
0: you know, they built this entire thing on the Paramount set. It was the biggest soundstage ever built on the Paramount set. They yeah. literally uh, took the floor out so that the basement was like part of it. Um, the, the they had to build drainage because the rain scene that was all water. Um, yeah, it's the stories about this, if you go online and read, uh, it's incredible. And Hitchcock himself only worked exclusively out of the apartment that Jimmy Stewart's in. And everybody else had uh, earpieces. So Hitchcock would be giving them direction from Stewart's apartment. And there's a scene—remember the couple that love to sleep on their balcony? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a scene where it was about to start raining. I remember, they're trying to get the mattress in. And like It's like one of like the more comedic scenes in the movie. Hitchcock had told them he fucked with them. He basically told the guy, try to get the mattress in your window. And he told the wife, try to get the mattress in your window. So all of them fighting in that entire scene... Is a hundred percent authentic, yes, because it just started pouring rain, and Hitchcock Hitchcock had given them different directions in each of their earpieces. So, yeah, the the making of this movie is pretty remarkable.
2: Uh, yeah, that's what really gets my rocks off is this, this the whole set of the situation. It looks incredible, yeah. and
1: and it's it shows you at the beginning it's supposed to be eighty five or almost ninety degrees. It's really really hot, so you have people sleeping on the fire escape. Every that's why every window is open and all the shades are up or the curtains are open because it's so hot. That that that's kind of what leads to how easy it is for for Jeff
0: to check things out. (laughs) And and Hitchcock had something like what one thousand or two thousand. It depends on what you read. There's like two up to allegedly like two thousand lights that he kept turning because he needed to have you know morning time, afternoon, daytime, nighttime, and the actors uh, were saying that the lights were so hot that it literally was that hot like on set. So it's it's cool. I mean, they were originally going to try to shoot like actually in Greenwich Village. And then Hitchcock realized like his vision for having this one, I need to just have this one guy looking up this one window and have a completely controlled environment led to the creation of the biggest, at that time, the biggest soundstage ever built at Paramount.
1: I thought the greatest irony of this whole thing is that the ultimate voyeurism is film. I mean, this is a a movie about voyeurism in the ultimate the most voyeuristic medium that you can be involved in this film like we're all we're voyeurs that's what we love movies we love watching these things like that's what watching a movie is ultimately it's voyeurism
0: well when you watch a movie like this it almost makes you feel less bad about the fact that we are all voyeurs because we're just sitting here judging jimmy stewart like what a voyeur it's human nature (laughs) i don't have to feel bad about the fact that i'm i can ignore the fact that i'm a voyeur for a while you know what it reminded me of is both movies this week reminded me of the Netflix series um, The Woman Across the Street from The Girl in the Window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a total satire yeah. on like voyeurs and people that are obsessed with true crime and think that like that, like literally what Jimmy Stewart does in this is what that entire series is making fun of.
2: Another thing to to think about too is like he's such a voyeur because that's what he does for a living. He's literally out like being a photographer, like watching people right, taking pictures. That's of them. his livelihood. So right. that it makes right. sense that that's what he goes to. He's like, and now I yes. watch people. Right. So of <laughs> course he can't he's go a out and do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, did you guys notice the um, the brandy snifter swirling that everyone was So much. When they all have. So much, a
3: little too much.
1: Um, <laughs> Jeff and um, Liza, Lisa and the cop, they all have the snifter of brandy, and they won't stop swirling Especially it. Especially Lisa. You didn't notice Lisa how like, exaggerated crazy. that I is? She's honest, doing it did the didn't. whole time. And there's, there's <laughs> one like frame where um, the, the men look like they're jerking off. Like, it looks like everyone's masturbating, even, even Lisa, because the way they're all swirling the brandy like right over their groin. I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> I didn't
0: notice that. I don't, I don't know, see how that could not saying. be
1: intentional, to have everybody swirling brandy over their groins like that. Well, I don't know. I think that's kind of a stretch. I think you're kind
3: of a stretch. Thank you.
0: I noticed, I did notice, I well, I didn't notice, but I read and went back and watched. There's a scene where Grace Kelly lights a cigarette and then like does like the scene and then puts the cigarette out. Oh. <laughs> she was a non-smoker, so she refused to actually even take a drag in the movie.
2: Well, that's why she looks like she does.
0: Yeah, she was 25 when they filmed this. Stuart was 46. Oh, of course. So he was dating.
2: <laughs> she Wonderful. <laughs> Grace
0: Kelly was
1: 25? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy! Yeah, he's a long, a bit long of tooth, as they say, <laughs> long in the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, the second film we're going to talk about this week. And my psychological thriller week is HBO's 2022 directed by Steven Soderbergh film, Kimmy, starring Zoe Kravitz. Uh, this is the story of a girl who uh, is like a regulator for this like Siri or Alexa sort of invention called Kimmy, um, which uh, has live operators listening to the conversations and responding to make your experience a little bit more exclusive. Um, but in this Zoe Kravitz, who's agoraphobic and I feel like, uh, you know, agoraphobia, um, is a great way to utilize like a one location movie. It's very simple. Um, and it is very suspenseful. Um, but it's basically her, she hears something over this Kimmy thing as a translator or operator or whatever you want to call her for this company, and she's trying to get justice for the the lady she hears in the recording um, that something's happened to, um, and that kind of unfolds as the story goes on. Um, I thought this was a great thriller. It reminded me a lot of Rear Window because of the parallels with her being agoraphobic and him having like a cast on his leg and being stuck in his apartment. Um, But with her, there's more like she's looking out the window and interacting with her neighbors in uh, this very passive way um, that, you're not quite sure of anyone's intentions or what anyone has to do. She doesn't really get to know any of the other people in the movie. So there's this constant like distrust feeling, uh, that's associated with her agoraphobia. Um, but I love this movie. Uh, it's on HBO max. Um, Only- I thought this is a great thriller and it reminded me so much of the rear window. And, uh, I love the voyeuristic, um, you know connotations to a movie, especially a thriller, because it leaves a lot to the imagination and uh, its realism, which I really like. I know this week was not really like straight horror movies, um, but I appreciated the fact that uh, they, you know, kept you on the edge of your seat and there was a lot of suspense.
0: I thought both movies this week were good because they really relied on character development and you buying in to main characters and then sub-characters. Like it really relied on you, not just liking Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window, liking Zoe Kravitz, who does a fucking unbelievable job in this movie as Angela, Um, I don't know if anyone out there has watched Big Little Lies, but... Oh, I have. I have. (laughs) Big fan. Zoe Kravitz forever. Um, But it also relied on you, like, believing in some of, like, the other characters. You know, like, we're watching it now. Her neighbor that uh, comes to, air quotes, fix the cable. Mm. Um, No, this this is a good one. Like, I love Soderbergh. I was struggling this week. I kept calling rear window secret window. Which is the Stephen oh. King adaptation yeah. uh, with Johnny, the Johnny Depp. Depp? With Johnny Depp, and then I was so happy when I was researching to find out that David Cup wrote this movie. And guess what else he wrote? Uh, everything. Secret Window and everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but yeah, a little justification there. Nah, it's not. I just couldn't fucking remember Rear Window from Secret Window. This is good. It's really good. It's a good thrill. It's not quite like one setting. You know, she is agoraphobic, but I like that we do get out of the apartment in this one and we get a little bit of action, a little bit of enemy enemy of the state vibes <laughs> like the old yeah, Will Smith flick. yeah. Um, we get <laughs> some technology in there. Obviously, we're not going to have that in the 1950s for a rear window. But I like that, you know, it moves around a little bit. I like her character arc and like she has to get out of the house. Uh, There's a big corporation behind Kimmy in this one that, you know, a lot of how this starts is this corporation is about to go public. They're about to drop their IPO and she hears what she thinks. So just like Rear Window, did Jimmy Stewart witness a husband killing his wife? Did Angela hear? somebody having something terrible done to her. Uh, This one's a little more intricate and and the company comes into play like a lot more. But I like that both movies were keeping us on our toes in terms of like, what did did she really see? What did she really hear? Um, The only problem I have to this, and I was just yelling this, I think, at Kat before we started recording, is I just, I don't like the resolution. I didn't think it stuck the landing. There's a Mm -hmm. lot more that I wanted to know about like, who was held responsible? How did things go down? And I understand. I said this. Did she already. get a root canal? I said this. All- <laughs> right right. there's the two thing that never really got resolved. But more, I was like, the filmmakers do not owe me a goddamn thing. This is their movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do wish uh, it has a very satisfying ending, uh, and For it does sure. get a little horror, Dave. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna let Trent talk about that because he was excited. It does get pretty horror like near the end. But it definitely doesn't like wrap. It wraps things up in a bow in one way. Yeah. And then not in another.
2: But I will say I did like how it wrapped it in a bow the way that it did. Because I feel I liked this movie. I thought it was fun. I love Zoe Kravitz. So I was super down anyway. Um, But I I'm always expecting the worst. Like I'm never expecting anything to go the way that I want it to go probably just from this podcast, but also just in watching anything. <laughs> um, I'm always like, well, this is going to happen and then it's going to be fucked. And then this, this person's going to like, you know, all of a sudden uh, the chainsaw guy is going to come and pull her out of the car and then like cut her head off, you know, kind of a situation like something's always going to happen. But I was excited to have a change of pace in this moment to like have it wrapped up for like a second, whether or not everything was explained. I was like, well, that's nice. Yada, yada, yada. Um, But it was interesting for me to see like a film, I guess this is like a horror film, horror thriller, suspenseful situation. It was nice seeing a film that wasn't based around like a COVID situation, but mentioned it, but like made reference to it. Acknowledged it. Exactly. Without that being like the whole, you know, it wasn't a contagion situation. It just was like, oh, hey, also.
3: She put on a mask.
2: Yeah. Hey, also, remember, well, that was like one of the first things when you look out the window when you're showing her, when they showed her looking out the window, everyone on the street is wearing a mask. And I'm like, oh, shit, COVID happened in this movie. Like COVID happened in this reality. So I feel like that added like a a little bit of normalcy and like it made me kind of connect to the film uh, a little bit more, like, right off the bat, which I, I really liked. Also, we got Buzz from Home Alone, lest we forget. <laughs> and his name is Kevin. Yeah. Like, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, but, yeah, I I liked it a lot. Overall, I think it was suspenseful, and there was, like, a little action-y bit to it. Um, I also very much related to just her kind of being an agoraphobic... Uh, you know, a uh, germ-ridden person, and I, I liked when she would like put the hand sanitizer on and then like do that weird <laughs> hand thing. I was like, <laughs> "That's what I do. That's what I do when I put hand sanitizer on." So it was a very relatable one.
1: I don't know if she was agoraphobic. She was what I what I would call uh, branch COVIDian. She wasn't that. <laughs> Whoa, she was cake. afraid of being outside. She and she talks about it with her therapist. I think that COVID is a, a central part of the movie. I don't think it's just mentioned. She. Has has uh, internalized the pandemic to uh, an intensely personal existential threat, and she's afraid. She's afraid to even go to the um, the food truck outside. She gets her mask on. She has her Purell wipes and everything. She gets all ready to go out, and she can't even leave the house because she's so worried about COVID. When she talks about with her with her therapist, mm-hmm. her therapist mentions you know we're trying to work on this thing where you can't you you think about one thing to the exclusion of all other things and she said you you just like you do with covid where you're going beyond like you're going beyond caution and you're you're getting into a realm of like exclusionary obsession where it's the only thing you think about so that that was one one thing um the, something really cool happened to me though right before I watched this movie. I had already watched Rear Window a couple times, I was way into that. And I went to watch this and I saw that um, HBO was crashing because everyone was watching the I guess the season finale of
0: Euphoria.
2: Oh, is that why I couldn't but, watch it yeah, the first time?
0: Yeah. I okay. Watch, I was I, like Well, yeah. I had to watch this on my one of my non Roku TVs. Yeah. It wouldn't play. Yeah, no, yeah. I so tried I to watch to like this was like old, on my Apple TV. Actually, it was working. It worked fine.
1: Well, I don't know if that's why when you watched it, but I was trying to watch it during the Euphoria premiere, and so I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to wait. Like I'm not going to be fighting the stream through a hole, however long that show is. Um, and in the meantime, I was just like tootling around on online, and I uh, randomly found this uh, televised debate. Uh, about state surveillance was uh, part of the Monk debate series I don't know something on C-SPAN it was like an hour and a half thing like in an auditorium with a crowd and there were two sides arguing for and against state surveillance specifically US state surveillance like post 9-11 NSA all that stuff so I got really into that I was watching I was like man this is like this is what we're talking about this week I I was surprised like how relevant it was and then I watched Kimmy after that First of all, I was like, uh, I was kind of surprised that um, Zoe Kravitz's character's name isn't Kimmy in this because I was expecting, like, I just kept seeing stuff about Kimmy and I didn't want to, like, spoil anything. So I don't look at stuff, you know? And I'm just, I'm thinking, oh, this is about Zoe Kravitz. Uh, She's uh, Kimmy, yeah, in this Mm -hmm. movie, but she's Angela. It's like Becky. Kimmy. She's. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. So it was hard hard to get over that. I love this. I I just, I thought this was a a great um, balance between. We've talked about this many times. I think there's a good balance between a very accessible, uh, sort of populist, like a broad entertainment and real craft, real artistry. You, you know, as soon as this movie gets going, you're looking at it, whether you like it or you don't like it, you know that you're going to watch something really good. You're in the hands of a master. And so even if you don't love it, you're going to enjoy watching it.
3: Well, the last movie we watched by Steven Soderbergh was *Contagion*. *Contagion*, right? And that Son predated of a bitch. that predated the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. very prophetic about a lot of things, and I feel like he's very progressive with everything he does. Yeah, and this I is almost like a companion. The, in, what, in some one ways. of the things I liked about this movie was all the audio shit was legit. Like we're in a studio right now. Like when she pulled up that EQ and started like. Fading out the noise. Oh.
1: I thought you know, I was po- I that thought was I was like producing porn. a podcast. That was I- like <laughs> porn.
3: And then and then she pulls out the analog gear from the closet and yeah, hooks yeah. it up <laughs> and they show all the cables going in and it's such audio porn. It's amazing. Um and I think that everything she's doing on there, I mean she's obviously the daughter of Lenny Kravitz. Um but everything she's and Lisa doing. Bonet. Yes. But everything she's doing is uh, like on the EQ and everything, it's very legit. She's dumping frequencies that would be dumped in order to isolate what you're you're hearing. And a lot of times in horror movies, we get a lot of mumbo-jumbo when it comes to like science People and pushing audio up. and yeah. like whatever. Yeah, so it was Fake nice to see. Playing. Yeah, it was nice to see. Uh, it was kind of authentic.
0: Yeah, Trent, you, so you say that like the COVID thing or the agor- agoraphobia thing isn't a big deal. But her therapist does say at one point, you were doing a lot better before this. Right. Something to that effect.
1: Right. She so, has well, multiple issues going on, but it, the, she's latched on to the, the COVID thing has exacerbated her her general um, neuroticism, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: So, I mean, other than, uh, than Zoe Kravitz, like, I thought it was interesting that you had Erica Christensen is the- She was there
2: for like two seconds.
0: For two seconds. Like, so that's a- Pretty that's... well established actress. I mean, swim fan.
2: Swim fan. Uh, Rita one?
0: Wilson. Rita Wilson. Tom Robin Givens. Yeah, I don't know it's, who it's Robin. Is. Well, you know, it's it's a Soderbergh well, movie. So you don't know who are, Robin like, Givens is? Mike no, Tyson. Wow, Tony.
1: head of the Tyson's class. ex wife. No. Well, she's from the show Head of the Class and lots of other movies. She was married to Mike Tyson at one point.
2: Oh, that's unfortunate for her. I will say <sighs> that I, the re- So the whole reason that she's in this state that COVID exacerbates that she was a victim of sexual assault. They say that in the movie. That, that is so, revealed
1: later
3: exactly in the movie. Exactly. Yes. So
2: like that's, it's not just a COVID thing. No. I feel. Can we get one her. week
1: with
3: no <laughs> sexual
1: assault?
2: Yeah, Dave. Can we get one week? Is that so week? much
1: to ask? Yeah. Who picked the movies this week?
2: <sighs> Listen.
1: I, Kevin, I, I believe, I think you were like, you were about to say something and we hijacked you. Can you, did we, or
0: did we not? Are you fine? I'm fine. I'm okay. fine. <laughs> You let, got the hijacked. Con- let the conversation you got, no but
1: you got hijacked you were you were getting i hijacked
0: this is this is Dave's hijack Kevin week. <laughs> it's <Well>. true <laughs>
3: I'm very I'm very overzealous you were, you were still preempting when it just took off it's
0: fine I might typically play the role of hijacker it's fine <laughs>
3: So, what kind of lens did the camera guy use to film this, Kevin?
0: Well, that's the crazy thing: is <laughs> Steven Soderbergh does his own cinematography under a pseudonym, Peter oh. Andrews.
2: Wow!
0: Did not know that. So, I was like, just looking it up, like, oh man, who did like the filming on, like, who did the, cine- the cinema on this movie? And I'm like, oh, who's Peter Andrews? And it's like, oh, Peter Andrews is just a pseudonym that Steven Soderbergh uses to do his own cinematography on his own films.
2: Do you think? that Steven Soderbergh, that this is... Do you think that the pandemic COVID thing they're talking about was the thing that happened in Contagion? Do you think it's no. the same unit? No.
0: Okay. Oh, interesting. Oh, I could be. Could, I don't, but yeah, be. it's a good debate maybe.
2: point. Could happen. I do like how
0: Soderbergh keeps it, like, he keeps it all in the family. Like, you guys talked about a lot of the actors that were in this. I mean, people line up for Soderbergh movies. You know, he gets, like, Clooney for, like, you know... 10 cents on the dollar to do, like, one of his flicks. But Kimmy's voice, so, like, Dave talked about, like, Kimmy is an Alexa Siri-type thing. Kimmy's voice is Betsy Brantley, who is Soderbergh's ex-wife. And she has quite the extensive um, filmography. Mm. But one thing that stuck out to me is she was Jessica's performance model in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh. Well, well, well. Nothing to do with the movie. Good
1: nice, credentials.
3: Though. Those are good credentials though.
1: Yeah. Um, super similar scene with Angela in this movie to Jeff in Rear Window where Angela says, "I have a very strong feeling." Cuz be- because people keep asking her like what proof she has, and it just comes back to "I just have a feeling that something bad happened." It's like the same exact thing.
0: And she says like, "I just told you."
1: But like they basically yeah.
0: throw it back at her. I think that's Rita Wilson, right? Trenton, that's the scene yeah, you're talking so about? Rita where she's Wilson. like, but, well, but what proof do you she have? Plays she plays like the like, head.
3: The, I the just the told you, I
0: have a very strong corporate
3: head. She yeah. cues that shit out. There's no question.
2: I don't understand why everyone... Well, I understand why everyone's so up in arms because I, well, it's all about the conspiracy.
1: Well But then there's, a, there's another section of tape that she hears where she's visualizing it in her mind and it looks like she's seeing it, but she's only hearing it. Yeah. So what you're seeing is just like her visualization... Of what's happening. There isn't really any proof of a killing or anything like that. There's the
3: phone calls from R. Just R, the letter R.
1: Right, the extortion calls. Right. Um, I wondered at times if 911 doesn't exist in this universe, if uh, you couldn't call. Like, let's say somebody uh, grabs you off the street, throws you in the back of a van to kidnap you, and then you escape the van. Maybe at that point, Call 911. I think it's an option when your phone is in are, your hand. No, that's 911.
2: What Are you, yeah. you going to call 911 on Jeff Bezos if he I, comes I, in? Yeah, I'm going to call 911. No, I just got, got people, a, on, the got people on the inside. He's got people on the inside.
0: Because I was not Jeff right. Bezos. This
3: guy was an upstart. He was I a weenie. Live. In the apocalypse, I he think over many episodes... Kat and I have established, we're together. We're, you guys yeah. are
1: on some other, like, the, I'm going to just call the police.
2: No, action. We are the police now. Yeah,
1: you guys are, like we talked about in Deliverance, you, you guys are the ones yeah. that get everyone in trouble because you can't just be come clean, go to the proper oh. authority, tell them the story. You have some scheme that We've you want to do. Come full <laughs> the, the show started. Your body will be and I constantly <laughs> at odds. We now acid.
0: firmly firmly established that Trent and I are in, Listen, in one canoe, you guys are in the other. Me and Dave's I'm canoe is the that.
2: fucking cool canoe, all
1: right? A lot, a lot of classic keyboard tapping scenes in this. Anytime you can make somebody sitting at a monitor tapping a keyboard, if you can make that suspenseful, it took me back to like war games and stuff, Yeah, you know, from the <laughs> 80s. Like, hey, he did it in this. And I loved uh, when like the chase starts happening, when Angela realizes she's being physically chased by these thugs. The soundtrack goes to instead of like traditional like suspense chase music it goes to this like weird electronic like this this I don't know how to describe it really but when she goes out like it's the worst case scenario
3: for someone who has any affliction like this because she the second she goes out it's like everyone's after her they're they're hacking her phone they're finding out where she's is where she's going and uh I I thought that part was, like, pretty crazy how, like, they were just,
1: like, this super cyber network of, like, what people know about you. Kevin, you mentioned the horror turn in this. Um, This fits squarely into the psychological thriller slash horror to me because there is a hot nail gun in this movie, oh, and that nail gun is a like lot dead. of how Let's go. You were about that. That's not just like a little thing that happens. The, the nail gun it's is a, a very
0: a, long scene.
1: <laughs> the nail gun is a star in this movie. It that takes out multiple people.
0: Yes. Apparently, all you have to do to get over agoraphobia is kill three people with a nail gun. That's it. That's so, yours. Everybody listening out there. Next thing you know, if you're agoraphobic, <laughs> just. I will bring you a nail gun because I know you're scared to leave the house. <laughs> and we will bring you three people that we don't like. Just kill them and you're cured. I got a list. Easy peasy. Mm. So yeah. Buzz from Home Alone is in this. Yes. His name is Kevin. They did a, that on purpose. I have a problem with that. Why? Because Devin Rattray, mm-hmm. the actor's name. Sure. He's a dick.
2: In real life? He was charged
0: in December of last year for strangling his girlfriend and (gasps) telling her she'd die because she gave his autograph away for free.
2: Nick is going to be so upset. Oh, no.
0: Oh, God. So anyway, the music. Cliff Martinez. He was one of the original drummers for the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Captain Beefheart. Uh, He would go on to do several Soderbergh movies like *Contagion*. He would do like Nicholas Winding Refn movies, like Neon Demon, and the music in this is actually awesome. It doesn't come close to like the diegetic that we get <laughs> sounds that we get in Rear Window, but the music in this is really good. The sound design is awesome. Like right now is Dave's audio porn scene that we're watching, where she's busting out the analog gear, and a lot like this movie does sound beautiful. But yeah, I thought it was crazy that uh, one of the OG. Red Hot Chili Peppers drummers would go on to do like Soderbergh scores. Uh,
1: the main musical thing that I was impressed with with this movie is how well it uses pop hits. It's very judicious. Um, it only uses them in the, like it uses "Sabotage" by the Beastie Boys. Ooh, Best. I love great. that. It uses yeah. Can that you "Play" "Sabotage" um, "Elastica" song at the very end. Those are the only two times. It's one of my pet peeves and one of the most annoying crutches, I think. In, in, like, mainstream, like, pop films is when um, you just make a scene exciting by putting a song in it that every person loves, like some smash hit song. If you just put that in there, the the worst example I can think of would be the first Suicide Squad movie. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. But they introduce every member of the Suicide Squad, of which there's, like, ten or something. Every single introduction scene is to, like... Back in Black by ACDC, or like some incredible song. So the first 40 minutes of the movie, it's just like all these amazing songs that everybody loves coming at you. That's such a lame, that's such a bullshit. That's, <laughs> I, I hate when people do that. This movie does it right. It picks a couple spots and it gives you that hit song. I thought this, it was
3: good. This is my second favorite uh, Siri-esque movie. My first favorite would be Us. I think yes. they use Siri the, very well. Yeah, in yeah,
1: that. yeah. This is this is like the second time I think we've seen the uh, the Siri type role as a character in a film. I think it could be much
3: more prominent. I think Stephen King needs to write something about his Siri that takes over or a Tesla car that takes over.
1: Yeah, that's something you never see. Like, and and I, I think the same thing sometimes about cell phones, about texting, Instagram, social media like these movies, they don't always incorporate that stuff that is so omnipresent in everyday life. Like I, I loved how also every scene where the, the workers uh, of the company, every time they say Kimmy, they have to turn off their Kimmy. They always like, Oh well, Kimmy, yeah. Turn off Kimmy. Like, <laughs> Cause it comes on every time they talk about it. Like you don't really see that a whole lot, but that's like half of life now is like dealing with all these technologies. Yeah. It is
0: a good point because we often talk about how in a lot of, a lot of the horror genre, they have to establish how to eliminate modern technologies. Exactly. Right. And yeah, it would be nice to see somebody like embrace it and make like a truly scary movie, like mm. using all of the modern technologies because yeah, there's so many examples that we can, Oh geez, can't get self. Cell- Cell reception out here. (laughs) Yes. Or like Cabin in the Woods, I guess, would be like an an interesting study there where like they're using massive technologies yet cutting off like our protagonists from their like technologies.
3: There are so many apps now that could compromise you in many
1: different ways. I think that horror movies should capitalize on that fact. It does the uh, Zoom culture thing too it shows the the head of the company on a zoom call on an interview on like a show and he's dressed in a suit and he he has this background like a bookcase behind him you always see the bookcase but then when it cuts away he's just in his basement and he's got the little like thing set up but everything else is just like step ladders like he's
0: wearing cj bottoms (laughs) yeah so I I, hey i guilty very in
1: step (laughs) very in step with the technological times for sure
0: the amygdala corporation
1: is that what? Yeah. What was it called?
0: The amygdala corporation. Amygdala.
1: That's kind of Cronenberg
0: Yeah. So what the amygdala is is a roughly almond shaped mass of gray matter inside uh, the brain. Uh, each cerebral hemisphere involved with the experience of emotions and it deals with processing threatening stimuli <laughs> and activating response.
1: Another thing I really liked about the um, the realism of the of the technology. Well, I, I don't know. I don't have a comment. <laughs> cool. It's funny. Uh, 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 cool. But uh, <laughs> several times. Cat what do you want just, me to say? I do Fucking was almond really shaped funny. thing. Okay. It was just funny
2: to me. I'm sorry. I laughed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's
1: flipping me the bird. You know, I this the way not you don't see it home. I don't see that. I'm just flipping me the, all the all bird. Here. I don't know. I don't know. That's great. Um, but Look,
0: I am dealing with processing threatening stimuli right now, okay? It's, it's coming from you.
1: Several times during the movie, um, it's talked about how Angela has this fake Instagram account and she posts mm. on her Instagram all day, she posts pictures of restaurants and acts like she was there. And she writes captions like, yum, so delicious. Yeah. And the guy that she's seeing is like, you haven't left the house. You've never been there. Why do you? And then it's alluded to also with one of the IT guys alludes to it. And he, ca- he starts calling her the fake hotness because she she just lives. She's just at home in her apartment. But if you go on her Instagram account, it looks like she's like living this whole life. I mean, that's that's the name of the game, right? That's yep. me.
0: Kimmy, play Sabotage.